Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Off the Record with Frankie. Today I give you an interview I did with Zach Abrams, lead vocalist for post-hardcore band Hot Knives based out of Hamilton, Ontario. The band just released a four-song EP entitled One this past Friday, and it sounds awesome. Really heavy and really catchy. I would definitely recommend giving it a listen. Zach and I also chat about his giant vinyl collection and why he had to move back to Canada from the States. I hope you enjoy it. If you've listened to any of the other uh, interviews I've done, uh, COVID's always like the, you know, icebreaker convo. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How uh, how's how's things been going uh, for you during these uh, weird and crazy times? Uh, I mean, just like you said, it's been weird and crazy for for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, like I, uh, I I haven't been working at all, so I've just been kind of. Um, going a little bit stir crazy, but it gives us a lot of time to, um, you know, write and put together, you know, some more content for, for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we've already started kind of putting together our, our next release and things like that and looking into studio time and stuff, which is something that we wouldn't have been able to do if we were all, you know, working our nine to fives or whatever. So as, as much as it's been difficult, like we've been, um, at least making the best of it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, what was uh, what was your nine to five? Uh, I was working at a store in Burlington that's basically like a a rock t shirt shop meets like a bong store. Oh, cool! So <laughs> I uh, I sold vaporizers and rush t shirts basically. <laughs> Wicked, um, dude! And uh, yeah, when everything kind of started happening, you know, my parents live in the states, and so I was pretty like, um, you know, on the ball about what was happening with the border and things like that, and mm-hmm. so. My boss really didn't see uh, uh, an issue with it, and uh, you know, not to get too into it, was pretty uh, pretty unkind about the whole situation to to myself and the other employees, and so I, I you know, just kind of left, and so now I've just been taking the time to you know better myself and get better at you know studio production at home and and you know doing demos and things like that. So um, yeah, I mean. I wasn't exactly happy with that job anyways. It was just kind of, you know, my nine to five. So yeah, yeah. Just something to pay the bills. 100%. Yeah. Right, man. Where do your parents live? Uh, They live in Tennessee right now. They used to live in uh, Southern California. Oh, no way. So that's your, uh, that was how you you mentioned that you'd you'd been in other bands, both here and in the States. So uh, you have dual citizenship? Unfortunately, no, I'm still in the visa process. So basically Mm. my like my story, I guess, with the visa would be like um, my parents and I moved down there um, probably like 2012, 2013. And, you know, everyone was supposed to move down there. We were going to stay down there um, on whatever visa it was. I don't remember it now. And um, eventually because of my age at the time the lawyers didn't realize that i would eventually age out so i kind of got a letter one day saying you have like six months to get out of the states no um so that was a few years after so i'd been playing in a band called stanley and the search they're now called home movies or were they're not a band anymore um but i basically had to give that up move back here and kind of restart so tried to start some bands tried to join some bands um now I'm currently in the green card process, so eventually I'll be able to move back to the States when I want to, but um, 
yeah, it was a it was a pretty crazy time. You know, I got to move to Southern California, join a cool band that was touring, and then got a letter that said, kind of, you don't get to do this anymore. You know? Oh my god, that's awful. Yeah, it was. I mean, people have it a lot worse. You know, like I didn't get ripped away from my family or anything. We right. at least my parents are well off, and I'm pretty privileged in that sense. Like, you know, my parents are together, so we were able to work through it. And uh, you know, I, I'm pretty lucky in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, at the same time, it was definitely hard, but everything kind of happens for a reason. I think the theme of my life is just bad luck. So <laughs> I kind of turn, turned that around and, you know, I ended up joining a band called Riot Axe. That was fun while it lasted. Um, we, I ended up in a band called Parkside that was really great. You know, it was with some of my best friends and like, you know, two of those guys are in Hot Knives now. So I feel like if, you know, if this didn't happen the way it would have, I'd probably just, you know be okay with just kind of chilling out and fading out and not doing the music thing anymore but having to keep changing it and restart is like kind of kept that drive up you know right yeah well yeah let's talk a little bit about like the formation of the band because i know you guys have been together as hot knives uh since 2018 um Mm -hmm. but you had an ep come out in 2017 and it was an online project before so what, what what exactly does that mean so it's funny. So a lot of people ask about the EP in say 2017 because that's the date that we posted online. That right. record actually came out in 2013. Oh, no um, way. <laughs> yeah. I was basically living with my parents in California and um, the, I was in a band um, with some friends that I had met, like literally the first people I met when I moved there. Um, didn't really go anywhere. We played like two shows. Um, but through them, I met a friend of mine named Nick who introduced me to a guy named Nicola and he basically was looking to get more into recording. And I had this record, which is the first EP just kind of sitting on my computer. And so he gave me a good deal. We recorded it and the studio we recorded it actually was the, um, drummer of Stanley and the Surges studio. So while we were tracking, I met this other band and they were like, hey, we're going on tour in about a week. Do you want to learn like six or seven songs and kind of come with us? Because we don't have a second guitar player. And so I just said, yeah, and I did that. And so this record came out and kind of just faded away because I I did this other project. Um, And then when my visa um, expired and I kind of came back here, a few years went by, I recorded another song uh, called Knives. And, um, when I put that out, that was 2017, I put everything on Spotify and and everything back online. So that's why that date says 2017, but essentially it was just me and my computer and this guy I met recording. And when I moved back here, I tried, I jammed with a few people. It just didn't really work. Um, and everything worked as me playing guitar in, in Riot Axe or Parkside. So I just kind of rolled with that. And when... I met the Parkside guys and it started to kind of, I guess, dwindle, you know, everyone was, I was more or less a fill-in at the end, you know, um, <laughs> I, I wasn't on the last record or anything, but um, the band started to kind of fade out and um, we all wanted to continue to do this and Simon and Aiden were really, really into heavy music as well and so, you know, they're great musicians and great friends of mine and so it just kind of worked out that I had decided to start doing this again. And this other thing was fading out and these guys wanted to do it. And 
you know, we we've been recording since probably 2017, 2018. Like when we released Afraid, that was the beginning of the cycle for this whole record. And so um, in that time, we we, you know, started working with Dylan and started working with Jonah and, you know, kind of incorporating all these different pieces and like Rob doing all of our videos and it kind of just fell into place, you know, um, I kind of expected it to be uh, an, an online project that got to play shows sometimes and we right. would just put out more music and hopefully people liked it. And then slowly this thing kind of snowballed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's it's really cool. Yeah. And people people really seem to be responding great. Like, you know, when we put out Afraid and when we even just when we played our show uh, at Emo Night, people were, you know, holding me up and moshing and going nuts and singing along. And and as as great as that is, as I I never would have expected it just because these were like bedroom songs to me for so long. you (laughs) know. And I, I love them so much, but they're always just for me, you know, and right. It's it's great to share them with people. Yeah, man, that's cool. I did uh, I did see some of the footage from that. It, it looks like you guys put on one hell of a show, so... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we try. It was amazing. Yeah, everyone that... Out, you know, every time anyone comes up to us at a show or talks to us or even just hasn't seen us before, they're, the look on their face is either like, you know, I love this or hate it, but <laughs> most of the time, like, you know, especially in Hamilton, you know, we were we, we did well in Hamilton with Parkside. A lot of our fans and friends are from here. And uh, so the fact that we aren't like this pop punk band anymore and we're kind of this like, I guess, kind of post hardcore whatever band. um, It's been nice that it translates and everyone still kind of digs it. You know, I wasn't sure how, you know, I I didn't like to say we're Parkside 2.0, but I know a lot of people see us that way because we're three of the five guys. Right. And so it's. it's it's very rewarding and very like uh, heartwarming when when people you know say they enjoy it and they like it and like you said just see the clips online and want to come to a show like that's awesome you know yeah for sure where uh, where did that uh, emo night take place uh, it was at the Doors Pub in Hamilton nice yeah and then were you uh, before you moved to the states were you living in Hamilton why Hamilton uh, so I moved to Hamilton um, I originally like I-, I grew up in Mississauga okay. Um, I had always liked Hamilton. Uh, I always thought it was kind of cool. Um, and I, I was switching jobs. I was just kind of in a transitional period. And um, it was kind of right when this band was starting and Parkside was ending. And so I just was like, you know, I could move to Hamilton. I could move to Burlington. I was looking at Toronto. And like, I kind of just weighed out my options and Hamilton felt right. And so I found an apartment and, you know, Simon was living here at the time, and we, I, we didn't know Jonah at the time very well. We just knew him through uh, his band Goldfinch, mm-hmm. and uh, he lives like five minutes from me. So it just kind of worked out really, really well. Um, and and Hamilton's always just been great for us, you know. Like it's it feels like a, a DIY city with like yeah. a great art community, and uh, the venues feel like they're not like pretentious where i felt like you know i toured uh, with my old bands like i said and I, there are so many times where i felt like out of place when i showed up somewhere and uh 
I've never felt that once in Hamilton, you know? Yeah. Even in Ontario, it's pretty rare. I feel like Toronto, there's a couple venues that I, I'm not exactly fond of playing. I don't want to name names, but, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, I, I don't go there if I don't have to, right? But right. Hamilton, there's nowhere that feels like that. So cool. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine, like, being based anywhere else, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, from a lot of the interviews I've done and conversations I've had with, uh, well, at least local, like, Ontario bands... Also, just for the scene, uh, they say that Hamilton has still does have an active hardcore scene, even it, it might be pretty small, but it's it's a lot bigger than, say, Toronto is one uh, or at least easier to find. <laughs> We'd you'd be surprised. Like, I mean, in Hamilton, especially I'll find that, you know, shows on a Thursday night will do crazy and where where other places won't necessarily do that well. Um, when we did our little run with Nightwell in January, we were super surprised, you know, because uh, we did a free show in London with a very mixed bill mm-hmm. and the the crowd was great, but we were just expecting a different type of crowd because of what we'd heard about London. Right. And it was kind of um, more traditional concert. It just wasn't like a hardcore show. And, and that's fine. Right. We were kind of the odd ones out and whatever. But we were super surprised because like Milton where we heard was like going to be super hit or miss and we weren't sure like uh, trauma lanes and all the other bands we had on the bill were super cool. Tons of kids came out and like, it felt like I was at like a local show at a YMCA in like 2008 or 2009, you know, (laughs) like I remember going to see bands like, um, you know, like the fellowship and like kingdoms and like all these old hardcore bands and like, it was just this cool community and like it kind of disappeared when all these bands broke up and like, you know, you, you can find pockets of it. Right. And Hamilton's definitely uh, the, the loudest one, right? Like yeah. they're, they're waving that flag high. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about uh, the new EP. Um, is it, is it I or one? It's one. It's one. Okay. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's just we hard made to that mistake of doing the Roman numerals and, <laughs> uh, and we keep getting asked, but yeah, it's, it's one. We, it's one. we decided that like, you know, the, the old EP where, where it was just me kind of felt like a whole different project. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it still embodied a lot of the same, like, you know, um, characteristics and like emotions. And so we didn't, we talked about changing the band name. We talked about changing a lot of things, but we felt like just, you know, running with what we were doing was more us. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was kind of the restarting point. And so, um, we yeah, we decided to call it one cool. and uh, kind of go from there. Well, yeah, man. Where, uh, where was it recorded? <laughs> so we recorded with our friend Brandon mm-hmm. in uh, Howell Studios in Oakville. And we did most of the instruments there. We also did some at his home studio. Um, and then we did the rest of the record. I actually don't know if his studio has a name or not. Um, but with Kyle uh, from Nightwell in Toronto, we did um, pretty much, uh, I think we've re-recorded almost all of the vocals with the exception of the, the prior singles and uh, Bones there. Uh, we recorded the other three three songs there um, and did all of the mixing and like the post stuff there. And right. uh, yeah, it was great. Um, you know, I, I really liked working with both of those guys. Like we had a lot of speed bumps and uh, had a lot of, you know, things happen. But both of them really worked with us to 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 get the record to where we want it to be. And, you know, it's 
it's funny because now that we've been sitting on it for so long and it's finally coming out, I have my <laughs> my complaints about it. But I think it's just because I've listened to it too much, you know, and I'm right. just uh, o- overdoing it. But Definitely. I, I love it. And um, I know the guys love it. And we're all very, very proud of it. And um, I think it's like a really, really good step forward. And uh, and, you know footstep in the history of this band right yeah i just want to commend you know whoever like mixed and mastered it um it it sounds really really good like uh, that was a definite like tipping point um when you did hit me up i was like okay well let's just see what this sounds like and uh, uh, 10 seconds in i was like yep that's great like these guys you can actually tell that you know you're being as professional as you can be and uh yeah it sounds really good so well thank you yeah we like this isn't you know we it's not our first band and uh we we were we've all been in like serious projects before and we (laughs) didn't like you know a big thing was getting kyle to mix it and work on it was when um we just thought it just needed that extra little boost and kyle kind of sent us a test mix and we were like hell yeah like that's what we need and so um I should also mention that um, John Niclerio and Nada Recording, he's the one who mastered it. Um, they've literally, I didn't even know this until I was looking into him, but he's mastered every single recording I've been on since I was like 18 or something. No way. And I didn't know that. <laughs> and so I just like was like, hey, man, you've done everything for me forever. And apparently we didn't ever talk to each other. So would you be okay with doing it? And he was super excited and like... Uh, you know, it was. I, I wouldn't send it to anybody else at this point. You know. Yeah, it's. It seems like you found a really good team of people to work with. So. Uh. Yeah, by chance too, and like you know, I, we we knew Kyle through Nightwell, and um, we knew he was good at what he did, but we'd never worked with him before. Brandon, I met through Parkside, and he had never really done a hardcore record before. He had just kind of done hip hop and some other bands, and so, like, we just kind of rolled the dice, and it worked. You know, and <laughs> maybe. For better or worse, you know, but uh, it's uh, I'm glad it worked out, you know. I did read that uh, Euphoria, which is the single you guys dropped this week, Euphoria Let Go, sorry. It was mentioned that this one took the longest to record. What what happened there? Oh, that was just... Um, that song was one of the oldest songs out of the demos. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, important to get the tones right. Um, the ending of the song, we felt that at the first uh, few versions of it, when we recorded vocals for it, um, just didn't fit right. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, I mean, I'm very like dramatic when it comes to like records, like I, for better or worse, like I listen to them front to back. Usually I don't like, um, like I have rules when I'm making records. Like I don't like the first or last songs being singles if there's more than a certain amount of songs on the record because I feel like it's like a theatrical thing and and people put this body of work together. It, it kind of deserves to be listened to in that sense. And so yeah. I know not everyone thinks that way. And so even if they just heard Euphoria or if they heard it as the last song, I wanted to make sure and everyone wanted to make sure that it, it like finished the record properly, right? And it resonated with the with the rest of the the songs and like um, complemented it and kind of wrapped it up in a way that um, didn't just push it off, right? It didn't just feel like it just kind of fell off. Yeah. And once we kind of 
changed things up and added in like there's a little bit of like vocal processing and things you can hear in the background and like it just kind of tied it all together and uh it, it's funny because it took so long to figure that out and then one day we just did it and it was done you know right and yeah it's funny how that as happened. much as i say it was the longest song it also kind of was the quickest you know right. but yeah um yeah, I, it, it was definitely the most rewarding too, you know. I know Bones, like, we went in and it was pretty much like we knew what we wanted and how it was going to go. And then that's kind of what you hear, you know. Yeah. And uh, same with the other two songs on the record. I know, uh, you know, I, I, I sent the advanced copy. Yep. I don't know if you listened oh, to yeah, it. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. For yeah, sure. Okay, I'm glad. But, uh, you know, the other people haven't really heard that song. If you saw us live, we were playing the song Grey live uh I think since last year almost. Okay. Um, so you kind of get the idea, but um, the songs are kind of cohesive, and yeah, we want to make sure that it that it wrapped up all cool, you know. Yeah, for sure. And then why four songs? Well, originally we we recorded all of these songs together, mm-hmm. or we were going to, so it was going to be a full length mm-hmm. uh, or like a like a long EP, I guess, and um, we felt that given the state of things like you know there's a lot of things to be said about like singles and like you know putting out two songs we really liked when locket put out those two singles together um and uh we just felt like if we put the record together it would feel potentially incomplete because we some of the songs would flow like the four that we have flow together very well in my opinion whereas Mm -hmm. if we were to add in like afraid and splinter they might not flow as well together. And so we felt we would take kind of like the more hip hop approach and drop a couple singles, like one every six months or so. We kind of fell off that schedule, but, um, and then drop the record. And that way people get a, a good feeling of what we're doing. But then when they get the, the actual product, it's a little more cohesive, right? And yeah. so that's why, like, we have another one or two songs that we're kind of debating on releasing or just kind of keeping as B-sides that were from this uh, record cycle. We've got, I think, five or six more that we're ready to go track. So we're kind of debating on what we want to do if we want to start doing kind of the more full-length cycles or if we should go and just do another EP. I'd like to just, personally, I, I would like to just do two and just do next year put out another ep right um but we'll we'll see what happens you know we've all been cranking out songs um since covid and all this stuff so i mean if we can do a full length then it sounds good like i'm all for it you know tell me what the song i want your bones what is that song about or who is it about (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't want to throw anybody under the bus but uh let's just say like i I was in a past uh relationship and through that there was a lot of other toxic relationships um and it's just kind of like about not wanting to to deal with this person and like not or not being able to deal with this person and just being frustrated and like you know i i was having bad thoughts and i put them into a song instead you know Mm -hmm. like i was having a real hard time with my living situation and and my friends and just everything right and um and that's kind of was like my way of just getting it out and 
it's funny because like it turned out to be this like really personal song and I actually tried really hard to make it not that. And I'm glad that it turned out the way it did because, you know, I don't really care if these people that, you know, affected my life like this ever listen. Um, In fact, I kind of hope they don't because (laughs) they don't, you know, they don't deserve it. Yeah, it's not (laughs) Um, for them. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was for me at the time, and like I said, they were bedroom songs at the time, so it was just kind of like, I guess, venting. But yeah, um, it really turned into something that I feel like can be relatable to a lot of people because a lot of people end up in these like shitty living situations mm-hmm. or like shitty relationships, or they end up like complacent and they're just like okay with dealing with everything. And like, there's gonna be a point where you that is not going to be the same way you feel about it. And you're, you're going to snap and it's going to go one of two ways. Like it's, you're either going to get out and it's going to be okay, or it's going to blow up in your face and you're going to get out and it's going to take you forever to deal with it. And so (laughs) um, that's kind of what I was dealing with and that's kind of how it came out. And right. Yeah. That's, that's essentially what it is. And like even Aiden, like Aiden added in some of the vocals too, but they, they just, correlate so much with the song and and you know it uh it became this bigger thing than just about one person i guess you know right yeah even though that's kind of what it is about i i also i also think that you know even if you didn't want it to be as personal in the beginning ending up and being a personal song is always in my opinion is always the better move it just like like you just said it just uh it helps connect with the listener right because every, everyone goes through the same shit well even like you know it's funny because like it's so the song gray on the record is like very much about like being depressed after losing somebody and like Mm -hmm. dealing with loss and things. And, um, like that song, a lot of like people that have heard it have asked me if it's like about a grandmother or something like that. And it's not actually about anybody in particular. It's just about loss. But like the original vocals were like, it was about when I lost like my dog and like, (laughs) it's, you know, just about, going through things and like that's why i feel like this band too like is very relatable in a sense of like you know we're all very like emotional people we all go through things like none of us are perfect Mm -hmm. uh, by any means and like we all kind of just lay it out on the line and are just very um honest and you know maybe to a fault but um you know it's uh it it makes it more relatable to the listener because everyone goes through this stuff and uh it, it helps to talk about it. And if you don't talk about it, like, you know, things just get worse. So, mm-hmm. you know, it helps us out to talk about it and it helps people to relate to it. And hopefully it can help more people out with dealing with what they're dealing with. You know, like that would be uh, incredible. Right. You know, yeah. it's what music does for me is what I hope it does for everybody. Right? Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Music is, is therapy for me. So I, uh, I, I can totally relate to that. So tell me about uh, Rob, uh, Roberto Spadafora. Sp- I don't yeah. know if I'm pronouncing that right, but... Um, I don't know. He, we call him Slobe. I honestly don't know why that's his nickname. That was his nickname when I met him. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I've, like, I, it's not even a real word. I don't know what it means. Every, <laughs> like, everyone in Parkside had nicknames except for me. It was just... I was the new guy, but it was right. hilarious. And because... They're literally like most of them in my phone are still like Aiden Parkside or Slobe or Slime or whoever, right? Right. Like, um, but he's uh, he was the vocalist in Parkside, and Mm -hmm. so um, he's been doing videography with like um, 
I, I don't know exactly the company he works with, but he also has Bad Productions, his own company. Okay. And um, he's just been doing music videos for a while and doing like weddings and things like that. And when we kind of showed him these songs, him and Aiden work very closely together. So he heard them and got very excited and was like, you know, I think there's a lot I can do with you guys. And like, I'd really like to work with you. And so... We basically just said, yeah, because we're homies and, mm-hmm. you know, why not? And it was like the best thing we could have done because it was such a such a great process and we had such a great time and it was for the Afraid video and it just worked out great. And so, like, we're literally planning on another video with him in the next couple of days. We're going to do a call and figure it out. Um, but we, yeah, we, we love working with him. I don't know if we'd do it with anyone else, at least for video wise, you know? Yeah. We, yeah. We work oh, with he's done all of your videos, right? Every single one. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, he does a lot of, a lot of bands in the scenes. Like I'm going to, um, screw this up. I know he did a new design video. He did, um, a judgment video. He did a lot of, he's done a lot of guys, arcane ghosts, I believe if I'm not screwing their name up. Um, <laughs> yeah, like he does. He does a good amount of videos, but they're all like quality videos, you know, yeah, they they're are. all like, in my opinion, like really great and up and coming bands. And like, I don't know, I've never seen anything that I don't really like, you know, right. if anything, I just tell him that because I want to bug him. But <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I don't I don't see working with anyone else. You know, we really like working with different photographers and getting different like types of stuff. But he he's even great at that, too. So, right. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, like you said, it. The quality is there. I had a really good time looking through all your videos. That's my background is uh, video production. So that's part of what I like doing when I'm getting ready for these interviews is I'll listen to the albums back to front. But then I'm also I go deep into YouTube and like find every video I can on the band. So it's funny, like up and coming bands tend to have like their video team that they work with. Uh, I know a lot of bands do that just because, you know, cost wise, it's effective, especially if it's friends, you get the friend, you know, the friend price. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's also it always works out too when uh, the friend is actually really good at what they do, which uh, which he is. So uh, kudos, yeah, Rob. I almost I almost don't let him give us the homie discount. Um, like I I usually pay him pretty close to full price because I we know that it's going to be a lot of work with us. We're very intense with what our our visions are. Like mm-hmm. you know, especially like I know for a fact like Bones, um, like we just paid him like asking price kind of thing, and like it was because he had to he had to go out of his way and we had to figure it out because we had a whole video plan and covid happened and right you know we can't go and do all these locations and all this type of stuff when you know everything's shut down like we couldn't even get a set to film on right even yeah. though we we knew people that ran studios and like it's you, you can't do that and put people at risk yeah even if you've got the the ends you know what i mean so sure. that that video we literally I went out and bought tablecloth and we covered Aiden's basement and blacked out his basement and shot it in a basically COVID safe way and did it when we waited long enough that it wasn't like the most like detrimental thing to any of us. Mm -hmm. But we also like waited till the last possible second so that it was safe and he pulled it off and made it look great and we feel super happy about it. And like, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable, at, you know, paying him a discounted rate when I make the dude do all that, you know, he, right. he's yeah. dope at what he does. And like, 
you know, I'm not going to half-ass him, you know, yeah. or like uh, or half-ass payment, right? Like he's just, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to talk too much about money, but if I can say anything about Rob, he is 1,000% working with, and anyone that's on the fence about getting a video done should hit this guy up because... Yeah. He, he's only going to get better at what he does and it's only going to get more expensive. So, <laughs> right. um, you know, just uh, just hit him up now. I appreciate that too. Just like wanting to pay the full price, you know, like, you know, being in any sort of creative uh, artistic field, it's really hard to, you know, make a living. So that's good for you for like wanting to do that. I, I'm sure being a musician too, you totally know what it feels like to like put your heart and soul into something and someone be like so like 50 bucks is that cool dude 100 <laughs> percent. i would love to get our videos for 100 bucks or 400 bucks or whatever people get cheap videos for but yeah. like you know we uh like yeah we all kinds of stuff you know like we we try and keep everything modest and we try and keep everything respectful because you know we're we're just like i said we're honest people and we try and make sure you know if if you're fair to us, we're fair to you. And I Definitely. think that's uh, that's the way to go about everything. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's hard, especially when, when young bands don't have opportunities to, to work with good people and then they get like discounts and it ends up, you know, looking like shit or turning out like shit. And then they're forced to put it out because they spent every dollar they have on yep. it. And, you know, we've been lucky enough to kind of take our time and save and we all work decent jobs so we can put the money in, right? But... Like it, it's, it's really hard. It's, mm -hmm. it's really hard to be a young band right now, especially, you know, with COVID, you can't just go play shows. There's 8,000 bands that sound the exact same online. Yeah. And, uh, and you're swimming in a sea of content because everyone's trying to be a creator right now. Like I, I remember when, when COVID happened, it was funny because everyone's like car mounts for their phone sold out because everyone was trying to be a YouTuber and like, yeah. it, it's it, <laughs> like, you know, it's you got to compete with that. And like, you know, we're dropping a record tomorrow. Taylor Swift just announced she's dropping a surprise record. That Gulch band that has all this hype is dropping a surprise record. Like we're up against a lot. And so if if you don't prepare, like you're just going to sink. Right. And so um, in my opinion, yeah, it's 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 real hard to be a band, but you just got to tough it out, you know? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a little bit bands aren't able to perform right now which is really when you're when you're up and coming that's how you build your fan base is people come and see you live so man that's us that's all that's all we are is a live band to me like it's it we're great for our videos and we're great to listen to on a record but you really feel everything like like we're trying to express it when you see us in person you know mm -hmm. like for better or worse you know at that doors show like i just I, I move backwards and kind of push into everybody and everyone gets excited because there's like people moving and the mm -hmm. guitars are feedback in and I'm screaming my head off and Aiden's singing and we're all having a good time. And, you know, it's uh, it's a different feeling. Like when you get to see a band live, like, you know, just like like I said, I like to listen to records in, in a full sense. It's just like that's different than a single. You know, it's it's hard to push your music right now online. Um so many bands I know and love are just getting kind of swept under, you know, and uh, it hurts to see. But at the same time, you know, I think what's good about it is the bands that are strong and the bands that are um, like in it to win it are going to mm -hmm. make it through this. And those are the bands that are going to get noticed by labels and management and people that want to help them out. You know, bands like, um, you know, 
I, I saw you did that interview with the Way the Anchor guys. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've known um, a couple of them, like, off and on. Not really, like, tight with them or anything, but for for a while now. And um, their music may not be what I listen to, but they're doing, like, they're they're pushing hard. And they're, you can see their effort, right? And for sure. And people will take notice of that, you know, yeah. especially in times like these. So, um, it's you're 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 gonna see what what happens with with time right and who who's really who really wants it if you guys were to get signed uh or you know that starts becoming a possibility who who do you think for you would be like the if if we make it with this label we like you can die happy (laughs) i mean I got to speak for myself because I know if we got an email at all ever, our band would immediately argue over it because we have <laughs> such different backgrounds. But right. um, for me, I love like Epitaph and like yes. the old school punk labels, right? Like um, I really like Death Wish. Um, I even really liked like, you know, um, Secret Voice for a while when they were doing stuff like Jeremy Bohm from Touche Mori's label. Mm-hmm. Um I liked I dude if it was like 2013 man I would kill to be on run for cover right but <laughs> it's uh we've we've kind of talked about the label thing and like we're we'd be more interested honestly in like management and PR and and help with financing and things like that rather than a label because like right now like labels are kind of fading out and mm-hmm. and like independent distribution is something that is like really taking off and yeah. like you know I'm like the opposite of a Drake fan, but I read an article about how the whatever label Drake is working with or whoever owns some of his music, like if he were to fully take back his things and go independent, they were saying the music industry would end. And like, I don't necessarily think that's true, but (laughs) if all these huge artists did go independent, it would be very interesting to see what happens. Right. Um, and so for, for me, as, as much as I love the idea of being on a label and, you know, being with someone like Pure Noise where we get to tour with Rotting Out or The Story So Far or Counterparts or, you know, any of those bands, it's, it honestly kind of scares me to sign a contract like that in, yeah. in a time like this, right? Oh, for um, sure. Definitely. You know, it's, I mean... Five years ago, I probably would have felt the same, but been more open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my past bands, like my bands in the States, had talks with labels before. Um, we we put out a release on Animal Style, I believe, which was like a California label, and they were great, but it was more of an independent label. So you were. Uh, we also worked with, uh, with Take This to Heart when they were a little smaller, and they were all great labels, but they were a lot smaller, and so you had a lot more interaction and, like, care and, like... You know, the idea of being on like, you know, I love Hopeless, but having to deal with them and just ending ending up being a B market band for them potentially would that would suck. That would be detrimental to this band and I'd sure. rather not do that. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I uh, I had a big conversation about this with another artist, totally different style of music, but birthday club and you just felt like I'd rather just do it myself and at least that way I have all the control and I, I can do whatever I want this way. So yeah, I, I totally I totally get that. Yeah. It's it's kinda like I, I mean this is a kind of crude way of putting it, but a label depending on their team and depending on how much they care about you can essentially just feel like a bank loan, you know? And like, so if if you get all this treatment and all this stuff and at first it's great 
And then eventually you just owe this money and you owe this stuff and you get emails every once in a while saying you got to do this or we got to talk about this. And like, you know, not not like labels necessarily work that way, but some of them unfortunately do. And especially for bands like, you know, say our record next uh, tomorrow does really great. And then the next one we put out is you know, kind of at the same level and there's no increase in movement or, or traffic or whatever, mm-hmm. they may see that as like, well, you're falling off or yeah. you're whatever. And it's like, well, maybe, you know, there's other outside factors or maybe we're still a small band. Right. And so, yeah, for me at this point, you know, labels aren't really a big, um, I guess it's, it's not like not an option, but I guess it's just not a priority right now. We'd right. be more looking for someone who can help us, you know, Unfortunately, obviously, with COVID, this kind of gets thrown out the window, but we want to go play in the States. You know, we want to go to um, like the hardcore videos we see coming out of Japan are insane. You know, like (laughs) anywhere in the world, like we want to go to Japan. Right. And so um, that's that's what we want. We want to figure out how to get our music to more people so we can play in front of more people. And uh, yeah, that's interesting. What uh, what are some like big names coming out of Japan right now? Well, I mean, I don't necessarily, there's, uh, oh, what was that band? There's a band that I saw their video. They're like Horsehead Nebula or something like that. <laughs> okay. And this guy has just like ridiculous deathcore vocals over this like hardcore kind of beat down kind of band. But okay. I think they, they played like a festival with Knocked Loose out there. And so I was oh, just kind of going through the local bands through Hate Five Six. Because every every you know couple weeks they'll put up a new one and it's an, an, a local band from out there and like most of them even if they're not like my style are just killing it you right know? right so uh, That's awesome. and the kids love it you can tell even if there's a band that no one's heard of they're still going off and oh uh, yeah for sure so just just to be able to experience that and experience like a different kind of culture like you know I've been lucky enough to play in the states and same with some of the other guys you know. Mm-hmm. Um, our drummer was filling in for young culture on their last tour. So he got to experience like a most, most of the States. And so it's cool to go down. It's so fun. We want to get back there, but the idea of going to somewhere like Japan or, you know, um, the UK is just like, you know, I've never been outside of North America. So that to me just as, you know, personally would be huge, but to play music there would be, you know, yeah bonkers i think you guys would do well in germany too germany's uh hardcore scene's pretty pretty alive funny enough like most of our well not most of our but a good chunk of our listeners that are from outside of north america are from japan and germany um at least <laughs> oh, through spotify awesome. yeah so so i mean those would be the two places we aim for i guess if we were to pick something right now but cool i don't think uh shows are happening anytime soon you mentioned to me before we started this, uh, I was just asking for some fun facts about you and the band. You mentioned that you're a pretty big vinyl head. Yeah, I I, I used to spend way too much money on records. Mm-hmm. Um, the last six months or so, my record player has actually been broken. Oh, so no. I've been pretty good about spending on it. Right. Um, and yeah, I went and spent like a hundred bucks the other day, but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's something that I love. Like I said, I love listening to records front to back. So when I was a kid, like buying CDs was so important. And like, um, when I started buying records, like I realized that a lot of times you got all this extra artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes like you'd hear things that you'd never heard on CD before. 
Um, like I remember I put on, um, the things we think we're missing by balance and composure. Okay. And there's, I can't remember what song it is. I want to say it was like, notice me or something somewhere in the middle of the record, but there's harmonies that I had never heard. And like backing vocals that I'd never heard that I put on the record and I heard them all of a sudden and the song just kind of like grew, you know, and like, wild. um, you know, certain things that are recorded on tape and made for for records if you have a good sound system like there's nothing like it and definitely you know my best friend calls them musical frisbees he's like the opposite of me and he hates <laughs> records and you know it's teach their own you know whatever's easy like mm-hmm. i totally get the convenience of having i love spotify too but to me like waking up in the morning and putting a record on and having a coffee and just kind of like going through your emails and like waking up and and, and stuff like there's no better way to start your day or, or to ingest music, you know? Yeah, for sure. It also sounds like you're, uh, you know, once you guys put out a full length, you're going to be thinking of it in the sense of like, if this was a record, what's the A side? What's the B side? How is it telling its story from beginning to end? Like you definitely have that mindset too, which is which is very cool and very rare these days. Uh, 100%. We actually did that. We have this record mastered for vinyl as well. Oh, cool. Um, and we have all of the singles mastered for vinyl as well. Um, we're just having uh, the debate right now. Vinyl costs so much, and we don't want to sit on 100 records. We don't want to press them all and, and um, be stuck with them. Yeah, especially and if you can't sell them at shows, right? I'm sure that's where they would sell the most. Exactly, right? Yeah. And and I don't want to charge people, you know, 15 bucks for shipping or whatever it is because Canada Post sucks. So, yeah. you know... Um, we're, we're kind of on the fence about waiting and like maybe putting out some more singles and then putting out more of like a compilation type record mm-hmm. um, or doing like everything just later all at once. But, you know, I would love to just put everything out on vinyl out of like 100 and then that's it and just kind of build this catalog of, you know, records. I love mm-hmm. it when punk bands have like a million seven inches that I'm trying to collect, you know, <laughs> even though it's terrible for my wallet. I, I love it. You know? Yeah. Oh, for sure, man. I totally get that. Uh, Do you remember the first record you ever bought? Yeah, I stole it. Uh, (laughs) Well, for vinyl, at least. Yeah. Uh, For CD, the first record I bought um, was Offspring Americana. Nice. Um, But for for records, like I remember this girl I was seeing in high school kind of got me into vinyl. And we went to this record store and the dude was a total like just dick. Mm -hmm. And he was hitting on the lady that was there and couldn't care less about what I was looking for. And like I was going to basically start my collection. So I was had like money in my pocket, ready to spend. You know, I'm young and stupid. And so I kind of was bummed out, walked around and I found uh, a copy of Black Flag Slip It In. Oh, sick. I had always been like super interested in Black Flag, but I'd never really got into them. Right. And this was like, I looked on the back and it had Henry Rollins on it. And that was like, from what I understood at the time, like the guy to listen to from Black Flag. Yep. So walked around, waited in line, tried to pay and basically was there for like half an hour with the thing in my hand. And I basically said, if I can walk out of the store with this record, like it's mine and i literally did and so that was the first one i got and then i think the first one i actually bought was um i found this i don't know if you like kind of grindcore or any of the heavy weird shit but yeah. i used to like this stupid band called i wrestled the bear once yep i know that yeah so their self-titled ep came out on a 10 inch 
Okay. And so I ordered that. And so I still have that. But cool. that was the first one that I actually bought. What would you say your top five records are that, that you have in your collection? Maybe top three. That's tough. I recently figured out um, my record collection is like if I sold at Discogs pricing, yeah. it's like almost 10 grand. No um, way. Oh, so hell. So I you have, have like, a lot. Yeah, I have like hundreds of records. Um, <laughs> I would say my favorite records that I bought, um, Trap Them, Darker Handcraft, because I found it was like my favorite hardcore record probably is one of the reasons I started Hot Knives and okay. I found it at Hot Topic for $6. No way. And I was basically hunting for it online, couldn't find anyone selling it and I just walked in and found it one day. <laughs> um, the next day I went to a different Hot Topic and I found a Gallows uh, Death is Birth 7-inch and I that's like the first one with Wade from Alexis on Fire on it. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably one of my favorites, too, because at the time I was looking for that and I just happened to walk into it. Um, and besides that, I think my like holy grail is probably um, I have two copies of uh, it's like a double flexi seven inch. OK. Um, from Dance Gavin Dance. And there are two um, two songs off. I can't. It's like backwards pumpkin song three and another one or something. But. Um, the only way to get them was to pre-order um, meet and greet tickets with the band. Okay. And I missed it. And so I went to the merch table and basically said, look, I'm here from Canada. I'm in like, um, you know, I was at like House of Blues in San Diego or something. Right. And I was like, I'm from Canada. I know you have these seven inches. I know you have extras. And like my friend is at home sick. So I need two copies. And I was like, I'll pay double for them. I don't care what it is. Just if you have extras, like, please, I need them. Okay. And the guy literally sold me two copies, so four of the Flexies. <laughs> and he sold them, I think it was like 20 bucks or something. And I went back and bought him a beer and whatever. And so now I have these Flexies at home and then a pair on my wall in, like, frames. And, oh, that's uh, cool, man. Yeah. That's wicked. All right, Zach. So my last, uh, my last questions now. Uh, how do you find new music and new bands outside of maybe Spotify like everyone else? Oh, damn, that's so hard, man. Um, honestly, a lot of times um, it's bands that we play with, unfortunately, mm -hmm. or me just kind of, I live like probably about a five minute drive from the doors, 20 minute walk. Okay. So I can just kind of, when, when shows were happening, I could just head down there and hang out. Um, same with bands that I tour with, you know, or used to tour with. Um, they'll, they'll go on tour and be with new bands and things like that, mm -hmm. or... Um, a lot of times, honestly, just like Instagram, um, the other day I found like an alternative press article that was like the top 50 bands in the States. Um, and I felt like most of the bands were kind of not a good representation of their state necessarily. Cause I've definitely heard better bands. Right. Right. Um, so I, I'll go on that and then like related artists or go on their Facebook and look at tour posters or flyers or shows or whatever you know um mm -hmm. twitter is a good place too but i feel like twitter is kind of like a wasteland right now like everyone is just very political yeah and uh yeah it, it's you know it's important to be political but it's mentally draining sometimes and so for sure. we've uh at least for myself for twitter i try and stay off i try and stay to instagram and facebook and just post when we need to post or when i'm checking stuff out like time limited you know mm -hmm. but 
Um, other than that, unfortunately, like there's not a lot of good ways I find to to find new bands. Like, there, like I said before, there's so many, right? And yeah. there's so many that sound the same. And so if you find one, you might stop looking, right? And right. <laughs> the next one is is great. Like I have these lists that I've started where. Uh, if I rediscover bands, like I'll put an extra like tick beside it. And so if I come across a band like five times, obviously they're doing something. And right. if I like the music, then, you know, someone someone worth watching. Right. What about a favorite like new band that you've uh, come across? Oh, man, as cheesy as it is and as like hype beast as it is, that new Gulch record that's going to come out tomorrow is going to be sick. Yeah. Um, my friends in Oklahoma are in a band called um, And In The Darkness, I Was Free. Okay. Um, they're, uh, they're like kind of like post-rock or like emo or something. Okay. Um, super spacey and weird, but they're all instrumental. And so like... It, cool. It's just very vibey. It's yeah. very cool. Um, besides that, like I've just been on a lot of old music. Like I've been listening to a lot of like rancid and like bad religion and like, nice. you know, basically I, I go to a punk festival every year and obviously because of COVID I didn't get to go. So like I've just been in that mindset. Right. Um, oh, there's a sick band actually. They're kind of more on the punk side, but if you guys or anyone listening likes heavy music um with just like cool melody and melodic shit uh there's a band called pears um and they're sick they're so good their new record is awesome cool is that pears like the fruit or pears yeah okay yeah exactly like that i heard a story where they got a music video budget of like 400 bucks and they spent like 300 on acid (laughs) and 100 on a camera and that's what their new video is and when you watch it you're like Oh, that makes sense. Like, it, I've never done acid before, but I feel like I have after watching that video. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. Cool, man. And let's see, what else do I have here? Last question is, uh, who is the most underrated band, in your opinion? Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. That's tough. Um tell you what i'll give you i'll give you my most underrated local band okay yeah let's do that um so there's this band that me and actually rob love um specifically their first record their second record's cool but it's a lot weirder um but they're called sydney they're from um burlington and oakville i believe okay um but if you listen to their first record um it's like it holds up so well and just the way the vocal melodies and things go like obviously it's a local band so there's a lyric here and there that definitely if a producer got their hands on they'd change it you know Mm -hmm. um guitar tones are dated right but like to me like when i put on a local band that i haven't heard in a long time i always go to that i just always go to that and is that sydney like the city uh yep exactly like that um i actually have uh the record right here give me one second i can tell people um it's actually just the self-titled but uh it's worth the drive to acton is a great song seething um yeah just worth checking out cool man 
Sweet. Well, I think that's uh, that's everything from me, man. Thanks so much for taking the time, Zach. Sorry about the two-hour delay. <laughs> oh, dude, no worries. I'm I'm literally just here answering emails, so it was no biggie. Wicked, wicked. Well, yeah, man. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much. Congratulations on the uh, the EP coming out tomorrow. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll get to see you play live one day soon. We uh, yeah, we're we're working on it. You know, we didn't want to just be one of those like live stream bands, but now mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, our drummer actually just had a bit of an accident and hurt his uh, hand, so oh, we're, no. g- we're not going to be jamming or playing for a little bit. So, I mean, luckily it was during COVID, so we wouldn't be having to cancel anything. Right, but, right. Um, we're going to try and set up some sort of like live stream or whatever if shows don't kind of start looking like we're getting a, a ballpark of when they're getting back. So. I mean, hopefully you can look out for that at some point. Cool. Yeah, I think that's uh, probably going to be the future for the next little next year, at least, is just the live streams. Yeah, I, we were even looking into like going into more rural areas where there's no COVID, but it just doesn't make sense. Like we're coming from a from a city. We're just going to bring it out there. Right. Like it's right. not safe for anybody. So for sure. we're going to let a few other bands just like, you know, the comedy world is letting a few comedians do it first and test the waters and uh we're, we're going to let that happen too and just keep putting out content online and trying to be trying to be present, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. Well, cool, Zach. Thanks so much, dude. Dude, thank you very much, Frankie.